once the most electrifying woman in pornography, is now facing false charges in San Bernardino County, California, sitting in jail for almost half a decade without a trial. She's exposing the corruption within the legal system. Calling from the West Valley Detention Center in San Bernardino County, you are listening to Behind the Walls with Mercedes Carrera. Good morning. It is uh, December the twentieth. Yep, the twentieth. Yeah, it's the twentieth. And I there was a news blurb. I wanted to talk about. You know, I I got a letter from a friend of mine who's very well educated, and he said just like me, he soured on Trump, and uh, he was a Trump supporter. But he's like me. He's you know he's a well educated guy. He soured on Trump like I have. I I think you know. People have to remember that Trump was a really good option for everybody when they were trying to shove Hillary Clinton down our throat in 2016. I think people forget a lot of the situation, right? So in 2016, they were shoving Hillary Clinton down our throat. We just come off of eight years of Barack Hussein Obama, who effectively ended the American Empire, destroyed the American Navy, destroyed the American military. Weakened us internationally. And then they were trying to push, uh, Hillary Clinton, who would have been just the death knell to this country. And the Gen Xers, who we've all been pushing what? We've been pushing Ron Paul, right? And so they wouldn't, they wouldn't let us have Ron Paul. So we said no. So we said if we can't have good grandpa, we'll have bad grandpa. And that's what Donald Trump was. He was bad grandpa. But, um, but now, you know, coming into 2024, I don't, I don't think Donald Trump even understands his place in American history, right? So I don't think, I don't think Donald Trump understands his place in American history, and I don't think he understands his place. I don't think he understands his place in, in how America. Him. I don't think he understands where he needs to be seen as a, as an American president. I don't think he understands. Look, you know, I was just reading the biography of President Grant, and if you read enough American history, you understand that that um, American uh, elections, American elections are generally. There's a, there's a, a whole history of American elections, uh, American elections that have been contested, contested, and were oftentimes um, done unfairly. So, like, especially we'll go back to like Reconstruction, the American South. Uh, Louisiana was actually taken over. Most people don't know this. It, it, there was a contested election with governorship. I don't know if you know this. During Reconstruction. The governorship for Louisiana was the Republicans say it was fairly won, and then the Democrats say no, it wasn't. We won it, and there was actually an insurrection in New Orleans. Did you know that? No. Yeah. So this happened uh, during Reconstruction, right after the Civil War, and it was bloody. People, many people died. See, this is a little known part of American history. So that, you know when they when they talk about an insurrection. At the U.S. Capitol, like how many people died? Was two? 
Um, no, I think it was four, like uh, two cops, okay. uh, two yeah. uh, two people. But the, what what happened was they they actually no, they didn't die there. Um, I, when when I when I was there, uh, I heard that one guy caught a stroke and he died. Like there was, okay. I, I think a cop also caught a stroke and died. Yeah, but it wasn't. But the thing is, it wasn't like a bloody battle. So in New Orleans, I mean, these these were actual riots. I think it was the number you'll have to look it up. I just read it, so I apologize for my faulty memory. I want to say it was at least fifty-nine were gunned down, at least. So this is only one hundred fifty years ago. At least fifty-nine, um, if not more, and the number may have been into the hundreds over over New Orleans. And uh, there may have been more than that, because they were asked to cover up the number of dead, especially between black people. So, uh, this is, I mean, this, this is nasty, especially in Reconstruction, the South. These were real insurrections. I mean, they were taking over the Capitol, you know, especially the Southern Democrats. They would kick out public government and, and not register. So, this, you know, this happened commonly. And, uh, you know, South kind of evolved into an absolute morass of violence and, uh, just lawlessness. It was one of Grant's kind of laments because they hadn't had a military rule in the South after the Civil War. Because he realized that the fact would have been the only way to keep everything, uh, kosher. Interestingly. But anyway, we'll kind of digress. Um, so, of history, you realize, you know, or was he called the insurrection on January 6th? Four deaths? It's fairly nominal. When you look at the annals of American history, much, much worse has happened. Much worse. And, um, so, uh, anyway, you know, I, I think, I mean, this is not unprecedented. This, this kind of, you know, people being whipped out into a frenzy. The problem with it, the problem with it that I see, is that Donald Trump is not a good leader. Because he's whipping people up into a frenzy for his unpopulist purposes. And he doesn't really have a plan. I read his uh his point, what he intends to do as president. You know, like I mentioned this before, one of one of his plans is to try to wean America off of Chinese imports. That's not possible. America does not have an option. I mean, China for China, for example. I just read in the paper yesterday. America just sold. We just sold our largest U.S. steel, our largest steel manufacturer, to Japan to dip on steel. You know, U.S. steel of Carnegie. We just sold it to Nippon, Japanese steel manufacturer. So we have internationalized everything at a time when this big bloated talking head, you know, is, is talking about becoming isolationist. His policies are at odds with reality. How are we to become isolationists? Did you know that China is the largest steel manufacturer on, on the planet? In order to be an industrial country, the country must have steel and rubber. The minimum. China is the largest steel manufacturer on the planet. Yeah, but their steel is like really subpar. I mean, where are you reading that? I mean, they, you know, they like to, you know, people put out this, this, um, this, uh, propaganda about that. 
they seem, they seem to be doing quite well. China seems to be doing quite well while we are falling apart. Well, yeah, well, it's kind of like yeah, because their their steel is like significantly cheaper, right? but it's just well, it, yeah, you because know. they they manufacture in bulk. It's cheaper because they manufacture in bulk, because they don't have the the same um they don't have all of the same red tape around their manufacturing that we have. So of course it's cheaper. They're an industrial society. We're not. So it doesn't mean it's subpar. It doesn't mean that. It just simply means that they are intelligent enough not to put a tremendous amount of bureaucratic red tape around their manufacturing industry. That's here, all. Here, I just found this. Uh, yes, some say Chinese steel is poor quality. Chinese steel may not be manufactured in the same way as Australian steel build, building supplies and can cause welds to crack. It may also uh, be prone to in uh, embrittlement and can cause rods to crack. Well, and, and what are we manufacturing? <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, you have to look at it and say, okay, well, maybe their build quality is slightly inferior, but they're building. We're not. Okay, great. There's a slightly inferior, and they're they're creating it, and we're not. Look at the state of this country. Look at the state of this country. Go 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 to Pittsburgh. Go to Pittsburgh. Take a look around. Yeah. Okay. Here, American steel is known for being strong, reliable, and safe. It's also more eco-friendly. Uh, than imported huh. steel because of stricter testing and guidelines. Yes, and we and we manufacture much less of it, much less less of it because of all the bureaucratic red tape, right? Much less because of all of the bureaucratic red tape around it, and because of all the guidelines regarding all of our employees. Because every employee hired, you know, there's, there's human resources and there's and there's uh you know, all the health protocols and and um, you have to provide health insurance, et cetera, right? So we make far less. And now that they were acquired by Nippon Steel, I've worked for Japanese corporations. Japanese corporations are horrible. I guarantee you that they're going to start walking off those employees immediately. They just sold U.S. Steel to Japan. Say goodbye to U.S. Steel. They're just allowed to them. So, say goodbye to the wonderful U.S. Steel. So, yeah, maybe it was. Dumpster U.S. Steel was fantastic at one time, but we don't manufacture it anymore, do we? I mean, how much is American? But that's the way of the world. Mm -hmm. America doesn't have that. And, and by the way, the people who were making that, the guys who knew how to make that wonderful U.S. Steel, they're probably mostly gay. Do you think they really taught anybody before they died? No. So, I mean, you know, Americans have all this pride for things that they didn't do, that their fathers and grandfathers did. Yeah, I'm sure the American steel of the 1950s, 1960s was fantastic, much better than the Chinese. But we're not making it anymore. That's the truth. You know who's still making steel? The Chinese. As if we haven't been smart enough to continue on our path. We gave that up because some blowhards in the 70s, 80s said, oh, you know what? Let's outsource that. Let's let China do it. So we have no right to be proud of, to have pride in, 
things that we had no hand in. Not at all. And we're idiots if we think that we can, you know, we can only don't talk off a cliff. Oh yeah, let's let's be isolationist now. So we don't make anything. Alright, well, you know, you guys want to start, let's make America starve again. Let's all live in mud huts. That's fantastic. We don't manufacture anything. People should go into their houses, take a look around, and figure out what exactly was manufactured in America. And I'll tell you, not a damn thing. I mean, I'm mean, in jail. Nothing in here was manufactured in America. Terrifying. I mean, we didn't choose this. This was already happening by the time we were children. So by the time we were young adults in the workplace, they'd already done that. We could start changing it. We could start moving back to a, I, mean, I think that there's going to have to be some sort of crisis. You know, maybe they're going to have to explode a bunch of nuclear bombs in here and shut everything down to go back to it, but it's no longer Mad Max. Then we're all screwed. You know? To justice for Mercedes Carrera.com. That's justice, the number four, Mercedes Carrera.com. Okay. Well, and, you know, we talked about that. Look, Donald Trump, I guess he's, he's, they're talking about not allowing him on the ballot. And this is exactly, I'm, I felt this from the beginning. You know, they, all of this is going to be a big beat, but this is why they keep saying, oh, he's the front runner, he's the front runner, they're assuring him of this. Because they're not going to allow him on the ballot. That's how they're going to keep him out of office. You know, I mean, which, honestly, I mean, I think the Democrats, if they were smart, they'd just give him the office. Who the hell wants to run this country anyway? Thinking shit. They might as well just let him run it. But I think it's because they rightly don't trust him with foreign policy. And so they're not going to allow him to to do it. Because they, they don't trust him. And I understand why. I mean, he, you know, he really, he foolishly thinks he can handle Putin, and he's just, he's too arrogant. He he does not understand the limits of his own abilities. So because of that, he um, he's highly problematical when it comes to the global policy. How do you it's think, like, uh, like, I mean, some people say if he was still in office, this thing in Ukraine wouldn't have happened. They're absolutely wrong. They're absolutely wrong. We have, if you can look at the timing, it had to do with the, the removal of our troops from Afghanistan. It's called the Great Game. You can look up this book by Peter Hoffer regarding uh, the ownership of or the occupation of. This goes back to the Great, I mean, it brings it back to Alexander the Great. But generally, whenever there are troops, whenever there are troops making hostage, uh, it, it threatens. Russian hegemony. And by the way, let let me remind you that it was Donald Trump who promised that troops would vacate that area. Not Biden. Biden did it poorly. He did it extremely poorly. But it was Trump who made that promise. And as soon as those those troops were vacated, that was when Putin made his move in the Crimea. Which is to be expected. So it's easy, it's easy for people from the outside to say, oh, well, you know, that was, oh, Trump would, Trump would keep Putin in line. Absolutely not. Putin knows that Trump is, is an idiot blowhard. And it gives him lots of lip service. He would absolutely love to have that huge knock. He could push him around. Just like Stalin loved when uh, FDR was in office. And he would sit there and let him talk and let him talk. And then said, no, no deal, I want to disappear. It's absurd. 
I mean, and, you know, we were talking earlier, I mean, it's, it's just like these evangelicals who think that Trump is somehow, you know, appointed by God. I mean, come on. He's a thrice-married philanderer who is a former Democrat who's appointed by God. I mean, they need to save all of their their uh, animation for Mike Johnson in 2028. He's a real died-in-the-wool evangelical. And I think he will be the one in 2028 that brings the true evangelical energy to a political campaign, a presidential campaign. But the evangelicals don't seem to understand. Trump is not one of them. He couldn't be further from a true evangelical. He's he's actually making a complete cartoon of their faith. And it's absurd. I mean, come on. He, he cheated on, on his third wife while he was pregnant with a porn actor. I can't think of anything more violent. I mean, would you, is it really fair to call her an actress? I mean. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I, I'm, I'm being complimentary for her virtues. Oh, I called her an actress. I'm sorry. I mean, she just. Yeah. Well, you know. But I, I mean, it, it, <laughs> I, I chose my words carefully. But still, I mean, you know, the evangelicals, don't seem to understand, and it just goes to show you this is why they're not re- they're not respected, which is unfortunate. It's unfortunate because you know, I, if you have faith, and I do have faith, and I I believe in God, I have had a, a tra- great transformation of faith in my five years here, but I don't believe that Trump is. I mean, I, I believe he is he's an absolute cynic. I believe he abuses and uses the people of faith to his own end. And that's the reason he only had his four years. He served his purpose, which was to interrupt the the Clinton dynasty. And that was fine. I think Newsom would serve well as in as an interim, you know, second term for Biden. Because he, he plays nicely with, with China and he actually will not be pushed around by Putin. Not nearly as much as Trump. Trump will be an absolutely useful idiot to Putin and that is very dangerous. Because one thing the Russians know how to do is they know how to utilize people with large egos. Because they don't have large egos. That is why the Russians are so dangerous to the Americans. The Russians do not have large egos where Americans that's why Americans are so stupid, especially on the global stage. Somebody like Trump is an absolute fool on the global stage because he walks out there with his large ego and it's so easy to push him around. Because all it takes is a little bit of uh, to, to stroke his vanity and then he's putty in your hand. And so, to somebody like Putin, it is so easy to make him extremely malleable. Whereas somebody like Newsom, who is to the manner born, Shakespeare would say, is used to that. He's used to people stroking his ego and his vanity and has been sealed against it by having been raised by people who say, ah, watch the people who attempt to ingratiate themselves with you by stealing, by, by stroking your vanity. He will be, he will be inured to that. Trump is not one of those people. That's why the DC set does not like him. In the average person, the plebeian does not understand this. The plebeians don't understand it. They see big ego and they go, oh, he's great. He's a great guy. Look how great he is. They don't understand 
the finer points of global politics and global politics. This is why the Senate originally was supposed to be really the land of gentry. They were supposed to be elected by the state, by the state aristocracy. They were not supposed to be elected directly by the people. That the 17th Amendment really did damage to the Republic. Because a Republic is supposed to be a king's style figurehead, the aristocracy, which is the Senate, the, the representatives of the people, which are like the Congress people, and then the 17th Amendment, messed everything up, because now the people directly uh, elect the senators, and that is problematic. Now we have essentially a democratic-style system, and now everything has gone to hell. Because what happens to people who vote for whoever will give them the most stuff? And now what do you have? You have an absolute mess. You have an absolute mess, because every weekend you have uh, a budget deficit of $33 trillion, which is to be expected. Because generally, before, you had the guiding hand of the Senate that said, oh, well, hold on. We can't give these people everything they want because we will be in extreme debt. We can't do that. No, well, we can't get involved in their reform and engagement. They they clamor for. And we don't have that guiding hand anymore. So every single, every single thing that the, that the, that the people, the people want, democracy. Well, what is democracy? It's the demos. So whatever people want to get. I mean, look at the two California senators we had with Prime Time Foster, two women. He said, oh, give him, give him that, give him that, give him that, give him this, give him that. Why do you think California's always dead? Now we've, you know, compadres of homeless on the street. Because the two senators were not intelligent enough to say, no, no. Because they have to be like parents. They know you can't have everything you want. Otherwise, the voters are like children in a candy store. Uh, the candy store is the budget. I mean, it's not really that difficult. <laughs> it shouldn't be. But it has been, and it is, because people are whimsical and they don't think about the future. They're always going to vote for for selfish interests, and it's very easy, especially when you appeal to their emotions. They say, what about the children? Children need to, to sign this bond to get yourselves a billion dollars. You think all of the children need more. And then politicians are, are selfish and greedy, so then they say, build their own bank account, and everybody's in debt forever, and here we are. And then you get some guy like Trump going, gosh, you know, I'm I'm not that successful. I had to have a TV show to, you know, become rich again after my terrible divorce, but I sure would like to make a lot of money in politics. Let me make a bunch of hats and tell everyone we're going to ban imports from China. I mean, come on. Really, people? This is not that difficult. What am I missing here? And it's not just him, it's all of them. They serve their purposes, you know, for times and days. And it's something that, you know, I mean, but they, there's a reason that in the past, the, the different, people expected the politicians to come from higher class of people. I've heard that argument, well, Trump doesn't need the money. Why can't he does? Are you kidding? Look into his history. He lost a bunch of money in his, Divorces. That's why he was doing the the apprentice. That's why he went to Palmer. So, Joe, they all need the money. They all want the money. Anyway, that's all I have. I uh, I'm still, you know, trying to maintain my safety here. I I had somebody do some research to my paperwork on the case. More was uncovered. Um, there's a tremendous amount of malfeasance on the paperwork for my case. 
procedural errors are abound. I mean, there were <laughs> there were a tremendous amount of procedural errors and, and outright lies made on my on the not only the warrants but also I guess it's something called a judge's order. So all of this has to be brought forward to light. It's usually buried in the case. This is part of the problem with my case. Um, and it explains why they've done everything they can to put me in unsafe housing situations, unsafe hearing situations. You know, the detective on my case is you now the sergeant in here and understands that when this is brought to light, his, or brought to light, his, uh, his pension is potentially on the line. So this is why he's, he's been so malevolent towards me and towards Jason, my co-defendant. And so, you know, when I talk about these horrible things that have happened to me here, understand that a huge part of it has to do with the fact that this person did not do things correctly, did not follow procedures correctly, did not do the paperwork correctly. He, his career is on the line, but also his pension. And they have to serve, I found this out from the deputy recently, they have to serve 30 years to receive their pension. You know, so it's pension and then with his family and what have you. So they'll do absolutely anything they can. Because when this comes to light, and, you know, this is a big case, and he got promoted and all of this, they really don't want to lose. So they'll do anything they can to destroy somebody, as opposed to admit that they were wrong. So it's just an absolute nightmare, and I'm sitting in here thinking, you know, for a long time, I was like, why won't they just admit they were wrong? They'll let me go. Well, that's not how the system works. Once they have you indentured, even when they realize they're wrong, what they have to do is make you so miserable or, or sit. They've done everything they can to sit there, including put people in my cell that were sick or put people in my cell that would make me sick, intentionally or otherwise. There are things I cannot say, but that I know that I withheld. Um, uh, they, they will do these things on, on purpose. They, they will, I mean, knowing, knowing them, malevolently, maliciously, intentionally, hoping that you will either die or get, or plead out something you didn't do because they make you so miserable. That's why jail is so much worse than prison. This is why jail is worse. It is unsafe. It is, it is unclean. It is dangerous. And with me, especially, they've done everything they can put me in with people who are dangerous. Dangerous. My housing situation has been worse than others, more dangerous. They put me in with people that they know are dangerous, intentionally. It has, and it oftentimes take an act of God, literally. So pray for me. Pray for me that I continue to be safe. As of right now, I'm still housed in a cell alone. But, you know, it, it seems like whenever uh, Detective Sergeant Catton comes around, suddenly that changes, and suddenly... And they'll have me again with something very large and dangerous. They do this every single time. It is extremely concerning. And unlike Riverside County with Chad Bianco, where Chad Bianco is very, very, uh, he has said that, oh, well, you know, if you have a problem with your family, they'll move them or move you. That's not the case here. It requires active conflict, physical conflict. I mean, actually, I had a bug that hit me at one point. And I, I complained I didn't want to continue cheering this woman. And they said, oh, well, Smith, it's not like she beat you. They actually said that to me. She hit me. And they said, well, she hit me. And they said, well, she didn't beat you. 
So because I wasn't black blue, I was like it didn't count. Now, in the outside world, somebody hits you, there are guilty batteries. But in here, somebody hit me, um, it didn't count. So you shouldn't beat me. I think about that. I mean, from what I heard, even even if you didn't fight back, that can still put you in the hole for fighting. for listening to Behind the Walls on MercedesCarrera.com Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify Like, comment, and share For more information on her case and to donate and information on how to write to her go to JusticeForMercedesCarrera.com That's Justice the number 4 MercedesCarrera.com